What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Kent Swanson. I'm the lead film and draft analyst for Arrowhead Pride. This is the AP Laboratory coming at you with another off-season edition. And we've got a lot to talk about. What, what we're going to do later in the show is do a, a boardroom exercise. We are going to make decisions about the Chiefs offseason with, with free agency, just kind of get some broad strokes idea of what we're going to do from like a, a draft position, where we're going to go, you know, for, you know, the first and the second round as far as positions or, you know, like, are we going to wait until day three for running back questions like that? We'll get into all that in a minute, but fellas, Matt house is in the house. He, he is here. And, and it, it's not, it's not uh, a cruel joke that like it was last week. Matt house is the new linebackers coach for the Kansas City Chiefs. Matt, you were actually the first guy in on him. What are your thoughts about bringing House home? So I'm going to ignore the joke and move right along. If anybody (laughs) wants to know kind of the full story, make sure you swing on over to 610 and catch Jay Binkley's kind of interview with the Kentucky sports radio guy. And they kind of outline what they think happened and how everything went down, just why it was House is here, House is gone, now he's back. The short story is eventually the Chiefs just said, hey, we're going to pay the buyout. We want him to come here. Here it is. They got Matt House now. Matt House wanted to be in the Chief- with the Chiefs. Andy Reid by himself called or went down there. I can't remember exactly from the interview, but he had the contact with Matt House and said, hey, do you want to be part of this Chiefs organization? Matt House said, yes, I do. They got him. He's now here. And I couldn't be any more happy than I am right now. As happy as I was when it was originally announced, I'm even happier now knowing that we went out of our way again to make sure we got him. And for me, the whole thing just started with the simple fact that I watched a lot of Kentucky football this year, just watching Josh Allen, their edge rusher, because it was somebody I was interested in. And that defense is just fun. The way they were able to get pressure outside of Josh Allen by their scheme and just what they were doing and how hard all these guys played at Kentucky. That's not a football school. At Kentucky was amazing to me. So I'm super pumped he's here. I can't wait to see what he's going to help with this defense do. Yeah, this is this is a big move. Uh, it wasn't the only move that they made, though, Craig. Uh, Brendan Daly, defensive line coach from the New England Patriots, is now uh, reported to be a uh, member of the Kansas City Chiefs staff. What do you think about him? Oh, I, I love this hire. He's coming over. It is a lateral move for him. A lot of people have said that there are rumors that he's not very happy with how everything went down, that he was passed over as the defensive coordinator for the Patriots this year. So he kind of left and went looking for something else. He's a guy that runs a lot of hybrid fronts, just like Matt House. He's a guy that can kind of dance between a 4-3 and a 3-4. He's got experience in both. He maximizes players. I mean, you look at the guys on their defensive lines over the past few years. He has three Super Bowl rings, and you look at their defensive lines, he's able to get pressure with guys that are just okay talents, guys that aren't household names, guys that aren't massive producing, high, expensive, paid pass rushers. He gets the most out of his players. If you watch him work pro days, you know, there's several videos up. He's coaching Harold Landry last year. It's kind of an impressive video of him running him through the bags and everything like that. He's a guy that's going to come in here with knowledge on how to win, what it's like to win in big games, and how to maximize a defensive line. I, I'm just ecstatic. I think we can just throw away every little bit of Clark Hunt is cheap right now. I mean, they paid for Matt House. I'm certain they had to pay 
for daily. So this is going to be a really expensive and a very good defensive staff. I'm ecstatic. A lot of strong guys in that building. And if it's guys like think about daily, if he really, you know, thought he should have been a defensive coordinator, having him in the room and the same with Matt house, having all these guys in the room, that's just, I'm, I'm ecstatic. Uh, one quick thing. We just wanted to, you know, wish Emmett Thomas in his retirement. Well, man spent over 50 years in the national football league, coaching and playing, uh, tremendous career, Hall of Fame career. Uh, best wishes from all of us over at uh, at Arrowhead Pride for your retirement, guys. It's time to do something. I'm really excited Wait, to do. You're going to take away my uh, shining moment, my one bit of Chiefs news that I was able to break on Twitter <laughs> last week after the oh. pod, and you're not even going to let me just soak in the glory. <laughs> oh my my apologies, Matt. Dave you, Barrett. You have you, was hired. It was announced two days after we recorded our pod <laughs> last week in our random post-pod discussions. I just happened to Wikipedia up his name because he was a guy I was just kind of monitoring where he was. And all of a sudden, his little current team logo was no longer the colors of Jacksonville, whatever kind of weird teal that is, but it was red. Everything else said Jacksonville. The link said current team Kansas City Chiefs. And it was just something that was odd. Put it out there on Twitter. Didn't catch a lot of traction. I don't know if people were ready to believe it or just nobody was interested yet because they hadn't heard of him. But it's another solid hire. Guy's been coaching the league for a long time. He has experience with Spagnola. And simple fact is I finally got to break a little bit of news. So that was kind of cool. And Kent just wanted to gloss on over it. So I, I'm I like, firmly I, convinced that uh, Field Yates has just been following what we're searching and going out into yep. the world and contacting right. these people to get this information. So high field it's, and high It's department. pretty obvious. Definitely oh, high yeah, department. Say high department. I am currently Dude, watching so- Ant-Man 2 on Netflix. So, yeah, <laughs> that's my level of dedication that's- to you, Paul. <laughs> This thing is derailed so quickly. <laughs> we have so many things to cover, and Matt's just going to monologue about all of them. I hope he doesn't have any other interesting stories about what he's Googled uh, here for this. Uh, we're going to jump into this segment that we've been kind of talking about doing. We're going to do it a few times over the course of the season. Uh, we're going to do this thing called the boardroom, where we're going to make the decisions, and we're going to kind of set the direction that we want this team to go or think the Chiefs should go. Um kind of try to be relatively realistic. We're not going to go out here and just try to sign every free agent to below market deals and all this stuff. Uh, we're going to, we're going to kind of be practical about it. Um, and we'll just, we're going to go position by position and kind of just set the course for who's back, who are we moving on from what our plans are for every position. Uh, we're going to start with quarterback and we're done with quarterback. Patrick Mahomes is perfect. Moving on to running back. Uh, the only two players that are on the roster right now are Damian Williams and Daryl Williams. Daryl the Barrel, uh, he is still here as an undrafted free agent. Spencer Ware, do we want to re-sign him, Craig? I just, I, I don't think so. I, I think that he took the pay cut last year to try and make the team and contribute to the team, and he couldn't stay healthy. We saw what Damian offered. I'm not paying Spencer Ware. I agree. Uh, Anthony Sherman, uh, we we had to, we went and talked to to Dave Tobe and we went and talked to uh, to Andy Reid and they're not letting us move on from uh, <laughs> Anthony Sherman and his two million dollar or potential it could be more two no, more than two if million it's more, dollars. We're co- moving on. I am drawing a firm line in the sand <laughs> below two million, but if they cross it to two, I'm okay with that. But more than two, we're out. Okay. Uh, 
Okay. Well, right now, Anthony Sherman, right at the line, two million dollars. <laughs> Welcome back, Anthony. Go get you another. Go get you another Pro Bowl MVP. Uh, okay. From a free agency perspective, Maddie, are this a position that we are going to be attacking? Attacking? No, I think it'll be low priority. Maybe looking for somebody like a Buck Allen or something like that. Just going to be cheap. They can provide depth. That's about it as far as the running back goes. Uh, from the draft perspective, I think the strategy for us is we're not going to go out and invest a day one or day two pick at the running back position. Uh, I just think you can find value in the second round or this in day three of the draft, or you know maybe you stumble into a, an undrafted free agent, or maybe you just pick up C.J. Anderson off the street. I mean, th- there's not a high priority for us to find a dynamic playmaker at running back. Damian Williams was very good in the second half of that year, and uh, I'd like to see more of him. You, we've already signed him to a contract. We are uh, we're going to move on. Wide receiver position. Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Demarcus Robinson, Garrick Dieter, and Byron Pringle are already on the roster for the 2019 season. Maddie, what are we doing with Chris Conley? You could not get me away from that one fast enough. That's a hard no. Okay. Okay. Kelvin Benjamin. Uh, no. See ya. Have uh, thanks for the thanks for the memories. Uh, Marcus Kemp. He's an exclusive rights free agent. Craig, what are we doing here? Uh, not only do we need to keep him for special teams purposes, he has not caught a touchdown from Patrick Mahomes yet, so he can't leave yet. Okay, so one of the big items that uh, that we have to kind of address here is the Tyreek Hill extension. Uh, I think this is one of our biggest priorities for the offseason is to try to get this thing done, try to try to make this thing as, as quick and, and, and easy as possible. Uh Guys, you have no no hesitation extending Tyreek Hill, do you? I have no hesitation doing it. Like we've talked about before, I'm not so sure I don't try Chris Jones first just because I think the interior defensive line contracts are going to keep going up. So it's just from a pure strategy standpoint that I think Tyreek Hill's market value is going to remain the same up until next offseason. I can't say I have the same faith that Chris Jones would. I think that maybe you can uh, come at Tyreek with a little bit of a, hey, buddy, you know, we did you a solid drafting you, turning you into this wide receiver. And also you struggled a little bit with the double coverage that the Patriots gave you. So maybe you're not (laughs) as high and you try and just get a little a little bit below that kind of top wide receiver money because I think his value is only going up. Yeah, I, I, I still think it's a priority. You got to try to get it done. You got to try to get it taken care of. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the figures that they finally come to is going to be interesting and that, that we're going to be coming to is going to be interesting. We'll just see what Drew Rosenhaus thinks, right? Uh, okay, Demarcus Robinson, here's an interesting little uh, conversation that we need to have. Uh Demarcus Robinson is one of the players that's eligible for a performance escalator, which is basically going to take his 2019 salary to over $2 million. Do we think that this is the right move to keep Demarcus Robinson here on a $2 million figure, Matt? Yes. If you're getting rid of Chris Conley, Kelvin Benjamin, who really didn't do much, but you're still just taking guys out of that wide receiver room. We, I think you got to keep Robinson around. It's clear him and Pat, especially when things break down, have a little bit of a connection. They are very much on the same page when Pat breaks contain out of the pocket. He kind of provides a wide receiver safety blanket for Pat when he's on the field. 
I don't think that he's got a super high upside. I think at this point in time, we would have seen him start to really turn the corner if he was going to. But for one more year at the same price as Anthony Sherman, yes, absolutely, you keep Demarcus Robinson, <laughs> who has shown the ability to affect a football game much more even though it's been in limited snaps and time. I tend to agree. I think, you know, I don't know if he's earned the $2 million figure, but he's going to get it. And, you know, maybe he makes a few more plays and, you know, you can get something out of him on the uh, compensatory formula next year. Speaking of compensatory formula, we'll look at the free agency, uh, if there's any options at wide receiver. And I really don't think there's anybody I'm looking to pursue at the wide receiver position this offseason. However... If Deshaun Jackson, Deshaun Jackson gets cut, I'm making the call just to see what kind of gauge the interest and the uh, you know what kind of figure it would take to get him. And he doesn't count on the compensatory formula if you do that. Uh, but that's a guy I just take a look at, see if he wants to reconnect with Andy uh, and help our offense kind of take it to another level, which would just be insane. Craig, from a draft priority. Uh, perspective what uh, what are we doing here to you know kind of maybe bolster the receiver position through the draft you know I'm looking at who falls in that round two range I'm not hesitating to take a guy at the bottom of round two like a Riley Ridley or a Hakeem Butler somebody that can really transform this offense and really make Demarcus Robinson less necessary going into 2020 and adding another guy that they can maybe move on from Sammy Watkins. So I'm looking at that. And then if not there, then I'm looking at probably round three for a sweet spot to add an offensive weapon like a wide receiver. Okay, moving on to the tight end position. It's actually kind of thin. Travis Kelsey is the only uh, tight end on our roster right now that currently is really partic- or been a, been a major contributor. You got Dion Yelder, who's on the 53 man for most of the season, and then also David Wells, who just signed a reserve futures contract with us. Matt, are we bringing Demetrius Harris back as tight end too? We are not. Demetrius is walking, and it pains me to say it because I will still support Demetrius Harris as 97% on, of a tight end one. Matty, Matty, are we dropping him? He's he's not coming back <laughs> because he is he is not currently being thrown the ball by the Chiefs. Can't say your jokes. It does so not work. So nope. we're dropping. Him. Nope. So we we're are dropping. not in position to drop him. He is just we're dropping. He is, okay. He is just riding off into the sunshine and ice and high in the sky, leaving on a high note. I think yeah. if it was on a high note, he'd probably catch it. <laughs> or he may be in trouble again. You just don't know. Oh well. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, okay. Well, uh, from a free agency perspective, Craig, what's our plan? We're not spending much on it, but I do think that there's a couple guys out there that can contribute. A guy that I'm looking at is CJ Uzuma. I like what he did with the Bengals last year, even though that offense was bad. He caught 43 balls, three touchdowns. I think he's a guy that can be a good tight end too, and probably cheap. So that's the guy that we're probably going to target and see if we can get in the building. From a draft perspective, this is where it's going to get interesting. You know, guys, I think we know that, you know, the tight end class is extremely strong this year. And the chances that a, a very talented tight end could fall into our laps in the second round, I I think that I think that someone could be in the mix there. And, and that's something that we're obviously going to be taking a look at with one of our second round picks is potentially if one of these tight ends you know, does fall, uh, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, trying to acquire one of those with those round two picks. So 
that's definitely something that's on our radar. Uh, and, and we won't take a receiver and tight end both in round two, but one of those positions very well it could be part of our plans depending on how that board falls. All right, moving on to the offensive line. You've got Eric Fisher, Cameron Irving, Austin Ryder, Andrew Wiley, Laurent Duvardini-Tardif, Mitchell Schwartz, Jimmy Murray, and Khalil McKenzie all back uh, under contract for 2019. Mitch Morse is not under contract for 2019. Craig, what's our plan? You know, I, I enjoy Mitch Morse. I think he's a great dude, but he can't stay on the field, and they're not going to pay somebody who can't stay on the field. Uh, he He's going to walk. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, you know, the good thing about this roster, Matt, is that we've, you know, insulated ourselves with a lot of, of potential interior offensive linemen. You've got, you know, Cameron Irving and Austin Ryder and Andrew Wiley, LDT, Reggie, uh, Khalil McKenzie, Jimmy Murray. You've got a good pool of interior offensive line. Do you think that there's enough in that pool for us to, to cobble together an interior offensive line? I think, like, as far as free agency goes and bringing in somebody that route, I don't think it's a move that they're going to be looking to make because I do think there's enough young talent with enough upside that you feel good enough. I mean, essentially, your interior offensive line is about the same as what it was for much of last year, only you're improving a guard spot with LDT playing next to Austin Ryder, hopefully Andrew Wiley kicking over. Worst case scenario, Cameron Irving starts again, and it's still the same interior offensive line that you've got for a stretch of the year, essentially, in the middle. You got it good enough. You don't need to spend anything else there. You're ready to go. Yeah, and you know Jimmy Jimmy Murray, Reggie, uh, Khalil McKenzie. I did it again. Uh, you know those those two guys. You, you know we'll see what happens with them. You know Ryan Hunter could be in the mix. Cam Irving, I I think should be the swing tackle here. Uh, I think that's the the potential. You know just that's that's probably what they're gonna do. I think that's it's 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 Cam Irving as your swing tackle. More passes uh, to Cam Irving as the sixth offensive yeah. lineman. <laughs> Let's go. From a draft perspective, uh, we're not targeting anybody early. There's a couple, you know, there might be an interior offensive lineman we stumble into, but another guy I'm keeping an eye on for our our team here uh, is a a tackle from San Diego State, Tyler Romer. Got kicked off the Aztec football team. Want to look into that a little bit more, but as far as a developmental tackle, if everything checks out that, you know, maybe they're, uh, maybe it's not too bad or, you know, the situation just wasn't right or, you know, we, we get more intel on that situation. Maybe it's a guy we look at in the in the seventh round or maybe as an undrafted free agent to try to target and identify as a, a tackle project. Uh, the defensive lines move over to the defensive side of the football. This one should take a while. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> currently, our defensive line, we've got under contract, Chris Jones, Xavier Williams, Derek Naughty, Breland Speaks, Tano Pasino, Justin Houston, and Justin Hamilton. A lot of decisions to make here with Justin Houston. Uh, Craig, are we moving on from Justin Houston? Well, you know, I talked to Steve Spagnola, and he said that he needs at that Leo position either one of Justin Houston or D Ford. I think that we can see the writing on the wall. Justin Houston isn't the same player that he was before. I think it's time to see what we can get for him and see if we can't move on from him. No, I I agree uh, 100% with that. I think it makes too much sense. We can save $14 million on the cap 
And I think, you know, that's a move that we, we probably just need to go ahead and do what I, what, what we are going to do is obviously we're going to shop him at the, at the combine. We're going to see if we can try to get, you know, any kind of deal for him, you know, maybe a team with a lot of cap space, like the jets who struggles to get players to, you know, actually sign with them. Maybe they're not able to, to land a big fish on the edge market maybe they're willing to give up an asset for justin houston maybe you know call up the colts and see what they're you know looking at what they're looking at at the edge position they have plenty of cap space so those are you know that's a guy we're going to just try to move on from and hopefully get an asset back for uh that leaves us with d ford Maddie, uh, what what's our plan with d ford here this is simple you offer him the franchise tag the moment you can He's been oddly accepting of it. He seems to have no issue with it. And I think it's because he sees what it is. He can come out and play good, just be healthy again for another year. You erase a ton of doubts about being a contract year guy and a ton of doubts about being injured. And then you are getting that huge payday that you've seen rumored for him or Clowney or any of these other top edge rushers anymore. So he knows he can get there again. All he has to do is sign a franchise tag and, oh, woe is Ford. He makes $17 million for that year. He's fine with it. You get it out there as quick as possible. You get him on the tag. You push him to play as good as he did this year for another year. It makes way too much sense. He is that good of a football player. And I know Chiefs fans are worried about signing guys with a lot of money that could be injured the next year. You're only locked in for one year. It's a one-year thing with D Ford. He's not going to hurt you the following year. Let it go. You have to pay good players big money or they're not going to play here. D Ford is the perfect Leo in this system, this weak side defensive end. He's got the speed. He's got the bend. And quite frankly, he's been better against the run this past year than Justin Houston was. So that really shouldn't be that big of a concern. Okay, we're going to come back to you on Xavier Williams, Maddie. So Xavier Williams is a guy, it doesn't seem like, you know, it would be, you know, that big of a deal uh, to move on from him potentially. You could save $2.8 million if you move on from Xavier Williams. What are we doing here? So we just brought him in. We paid him a little bit of money to come in based on what he had done. So I sat down with Spags. We got Daly in here, and we had this conversation about what they wanted, what they needed. And while Xavier kind of works as a depth piece, we think the free agency market's going to be just as good, if not better than him, for the same price. He's not worth to us to keep around for the price he's going to command just with the depth that's already out there in the free agency market. Our pro scouts are telling us there's some guys out there that we have plans for. So unfortunately, we're going to have to thank Xavier for his year of service, and he's going to have to look for a place away from his hometown to play a little more football in the NFL. We're going to do the same thing with Alan Bailey. Uh, we're moving on from Alan Bailey, thanking him for his service, hoping that he uh, you know, hits and you know, maybe, maybe finds a, a place to get five, $6 million, get a nice little pick on that compensatory formula for us. Uh, Matt, Justin <laughs> Hamilton. We have uh, exclusive. He's an exclusive rights free agent. We can basically take his uh, his rights and pay him uh, six hundred and forty five thousand dollars to keep him. Are we doing it? Yeah, there's no reason not to keep Hamilton. Um, he seems to be a guy that's good at motivating veterans on the team. So if for anything, you can keep him <laughs> around for that. And if not, when he is on the field, he actually played very well. He was a good football player, good rotational piece. This is a defensive line that I think you're going to see a lot more cycling in and out of different personnel packages at different times. So Hamilton has a use for sure. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, what uh, what player he has to motivate since Justin Houston won't be here. Uh, okay, let's go with the free agency plan. 
Craig, what are we looking on the defensive line to try to do? Well, a guy that was just cut, uh, played in Tampa Bay, but played previously in Philadelphia under Andy Reid, Vinny Curry is a guy that can be a versatile piece, play at both defensive end spots, and be able to play a little bit inside. He's a pressure monster, and he's a good run defender. He's a guy that just fits in a lot of spots on this offensive line. He's older, probably going to be about 3 or $4 million. You're saving a little bit by cutting Xavier Williams, paying a little bit more for a little better player that can fit a lot better in this 4-3 under. Yeah, Craig actually just called Vinny Curry. I'm trying to get a hold of him, trying to get a hold of his agent and see if we can get him in Kansas City for a, for a meeting here. He doesn't uh, count against the comp formula there, Kent, so... Fired. Well, yeah, it doesn't count against the compensatory formula. I am firing up the. Uh, I'm. I'm also bringing Q39 in to cater, and uh, uh, gonna make sure to get him else. some smoked. He's going fried somewhere else. Chicken nope. sandwiches, nope. Nope. some kicking chicken. Uh, Brett Veach does not eat the smoked fried chicken sandwich. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, Football players yeah, don't yeah, eat the does. smoked fried chicken bar sandwich. No, he does. Oh. <laughs> Draft priority uh, from the defensive line. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just kind of just looking to see if value falls to you. I mean, like there, there's not too many guys I think that are going to make sense for the for us. You know, maybe early in the draft on the defensive line in round one. Uh, maybe you know, as things kind of kick down the line, we might be able to look at you know, um, you know, like uh, like from the interior perspective, from the edge. You know, I, d- I do think, you know, if a guy like Ja'Kai Polite is to fall to us, you know, at 29, that's definitely someone we're going to be, you know, having to take a look at uh, when it comes to their your defensive ends. So, you know, pass rush is definitely something that we're going to be targeting uh, in rounds one or two. And, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, the board falls right for, you know, maybe an edge rusher to potentially fall to us. Or, you know, we, we look to try to move up a little bit uh, if we do wind up feeling like that's the one position that we need to, uh, to target in round one. Uh, moving on to the linebackers position. Uh, Anthony Hitchens, Reggie Ragland, Dorian O'Daniel, Ben Neiman, Martrell Spate, who we just signed, and Raymond Davison are all under contract. Maddie, we feel like Hitchens is a better fit for the 4-3 under after talking with Spagnola, right? Absolutely. And to spare everybody a good 10-minute conversation, we'll just keep it simple. He's the best fit kind of as a mic here. He doesn't have that great chasing speed to be the weak side linebacker. And while I know some people want a more athletic mic, I fully understand. But Hitchens played that role with Dallas. It was never an issue. He's still reducing the field to only having to go roughly half the field away. And he works so much better in between the tackles, taking people on head on rather than at an angle scraping over the top. So just allowing him to attack straight forward from the mic spot in a 4-3 defense like Spags is running, it's we feel much better about this fit than we ever did with him as a 3-4 linebacker last year. And from the weak side linebacker position, Dorian O'Daniel might be a better fit in this situation with Spax too, right, Craig? Oh, absolutely. You want to talk about a guy that was miscast as a 3-4 inside linebacker. 
Dorian O'Daniel is tailor-made to sort of scrape and stay clean behind this offensive li- or behind this defensive line, really attack downhill, use his speed, use his range and coverage, use his ability to get to the flat quickly, and he's a good tackler. We're going to see him thrive in this. He fits perfectly as the will linebacker. We got a we got a Reggie Ragland decision to make here, guys. Believe it or not, we can cut Reggie Ragland with zero money dead and save you know 1.2 million dollars moving on from Ragland, and we're gonna do it. I just don't think that he makes a ton of sense with this current roster in in this current defensive scheme. He's gonna be a backup inside linebacker. He's gonna be a backup Mike linebacker. I mean, he's not he's not a special teamer. He's not a guy that's played special teams really historically over his, you know, NFL career so far. There's really not a fit for him. Uh one question that we do have here though, do we have a Sam linebacker guys with this 4-300? Craig, do we have a Sam linebacker? We absolutely do not have a Sam linebacker currently on the roster. So that's really going to be a place that we've got to try to attack. Uh, Craig, from a free agency perspective, who can we target as a potential Sam linebacker? I know a sexy name out there is Anthony Barr. Do we still think that makes a ton of sense right now where we're at? With the cap space the way that it is, trying to make extensions and some of the other moves that we've got maybe coming up that we're looking forward to here in a couple other positions, I'm not sure that it makes as much sense as I would like it to. He's a fantastic player that would be great in that spot. But Steve told me on on the phone that uh, he's a guy that likes to use kind of just another guy in that position, not necessarily a stud player. So we're looking at guys that are getting out of spots that are former edges that played off-ball linebacker. A guy I love, Brennan Scarlett, played played for Houston for the past three years, he was an undrafted free agent. Couple sacks to his name, got an interception, couple pass defenses. He's a guy that can come in and kind of play that rotational role and then come off the field when the team is in a sub package and you're not paying him hardly anything to do that. He's a great depth piece at the very least. Is that, is that Brandon? Is it Brian? It is Brian? Brennan Kevin? Scarlet, Got Brennan, Got Scarlet, Brandon. Okay, moving on uh, to the draft uh, from a, with a Sam position. Maddie, are we? What, what's our priority w- with a Sam uh, in this draft? Where are we looking to target one potentially? All right, so this is my really only big chance to talk about the draft in this podcast. So Kent, Craig, you guys can go grab a drink, maybe make a snack, come back, and I'll have only a couple minutes left to finish up. But um, no. <laughs> Uh, no. From just, the draft perspective, uh, here it is. Oh, if, please, no. If we want to <laughs> spend big on a Sam, if we want to get a guy that's more versatile, that's going to make a bigger impact, kind of what you saw with Sam's in a 4-3 under over defense 10 years ago, you can look at somebody like Christian Miller out of Alabama, who is a phenomenal player. I was unsure as much about his ability to stand up and kind of play in space as an off-ball linebacker, but going through the film, he did it more than I anticipated when watching them live throughout this year. He's got some good movement skills in the out open field. He's not going to be covering guys' man coverage vertically downfield a ton, but carrying guys to somebody deeper, covering the flat zones, he's fine. And he's a great rusher. The problem is you're looking at an early draft pick for that slot, 
And if he's going to be a part-time player, I don't know if that's where we're going to want to go based on how the board falls. So my backup plan there is a little bit more of the Jag kind of player. And not to take anything away from him because he's very talented. But we got Justin, just a guy. Clar- Justin, clarify what a Jag is. Jag is just a guy, which just means he's a replaceable player. He's a good player. He's useful for a team. Most NFL teams are made up of more Jags than they are stars. So it's not like this is a negative. It's just he's a guy that's replaceable. Justin Hollins, he's played edge and a little bit of off-ball linebacker at Oregon. He's more of a day three pick. He's kind of like your bootleg version of Christian Miller. He can rush the passer, but has a little less bend, a little less explosive ability. He's still long. He kind of gives you that guy that can play in coverage, blitz a little bit, and then also provides that ability to carry guys a little bit in pass coverage, but he's not going to be a star. He's somebody you feel more acceptable with taking off the field if that's your plan at the same position. The uh, the Jaguars' problem has been they've had too many Jags. Am I right? Uh, the cornerback position, the corners. Moving on, we've got Kendall Fuller, Charvarius Ward, Tremont Smith uh, under contract. So is Demontre Wade another uh, undrafted free agent from last year who was on the practice squad. So we've got all those guys under control this year. We've got some decisions to make about our free agents. Orlando Skandrick, Maddie. Are we moving on? I'm not sure why he made our boardroom discussion. I think we've already decided to move <laughs> on from him roughly week 13 of last year. You know another guy that fits that mold for me and for us? Steven Nelson. Good luck to you, Steve. Uh, you know, I hope all those, uh, hope all those stats really help you just because wants to play obviously zone. just wants to yeah. play zone so uh yeah we're moving on from steve nelson we're wishing him the best of luck uh from a free agency perspective maddie uh our what's what's our plan at the cornerback position so it really depends on what we get to do at safety going on later but for our plan of attack and free agency is going to be attacking the safety position so we'll get to that here in a second so that means at corner we're going to sit pat We don't mind bringing in kind of a lower mid-tier cornerback to compete with Trevarius Ward just to push him to improve. But what we're really waiting on, and this is kind of Spag's guy that he's telling us about, Janoris Jenkins has a high chance to be cut from the Giants. It might be post-June 1st, but there's a good chance he gets out of there. We're just waiting to pull that trigger, give him that one-year kind of prove-it deal because he's coming off a down year. We're waiting for him to come out. We think we can fit him in under the cap with a good team-friendly contract once he's out, and that's kind of the guy we're looking to get in to make a splashier impact early on. Uh, and based on all these moves, Craig, cornerback will have to probably be draft priority number one, correct? Absolutely. At this point, you're looking at a roster of, even with adding Janoris Jenkins, you're looking at five guys, and none of those is really a true CB1 type. You've got to go out and try and find that guy. you got to try and target a Byron Murphy or a Greedy Williams early. Try and get that guy. And then because they still need bodies, I'm going to go back to the well a little bit later and try and catch some value at the end of the draft. I'm not sure Tremont Smith really is that kind of guy at corner. He seems more like a kick returner type that we're hoping to get some spot snaps every once in a while. I'm going to try and draft a true corner a little bit later as well. So I'm double dipping in the draft. And there's a decent chance that we might have to move up for that, correct? 
absolutely. Uh, Byron Murphy is probably not getting into the 20s after the combine. You know, we talked to a bunch of teams, and they all love him too. So, as Brett has said multiple times, even in the video with BJ Kissel this past week, if you love a guy based on where we're picking, he's not there in the round you've got him graded in. You've got to move up. You've got to be willing to be aggressive to go get your guy. Okay, we have one more position to address, uh, the safety position, and there is a lot to cover. Uh, Eric Berry, Eric Murray, Daniel Sorensen, and Armani Watts are currently under contract. One guy that is a restricted free agent is uh, Jordan Lucas. I hear some very handsome, talented riders in Kansas City have you know, created a hype train for him uh, called the Lucas Locomotive. I just, I, I think that, you know, th- those guys are incredibly handsome. Uh, one of them <laughs> has a fantastic taste in food when it comes to, you know, smoked fried chicken sandwiches. How innovative. Anyways, um, what are we doing with Jordan Lucas, Matt? There's that tweet that's been going around, like, what would you tweet out if you were held captive that seemed normal? Is that what you were just saying right now? Are you being held captive, so you're trying to, like, give us a code phrase with that food take? Or, But, uh, no, with Jordan Lucas, so here's the thing. We're sitting down. We know we have to fix the safety position, and it's a little bit of a logjam in terms of money being spent and guys that simply cannot play. So we're starting off with this. We're keeping Jordan Lucas around. It's a little expensive for what he's shown so far, but we believe in him. We love what he's shown. He's been a fantastic character guy around this team. People love him. He keeps things light, but gives it his all. You see it on the field. He is a guy that people respond to. We're keeping him around for, again, the same price as Anthony Sherman. So definitely sticking around for that and some of our other decisions we have to go through kind of make it a necessity as well yeah and that jordan lucas contract it's the original round original round tender which is about two million dollars um so we're gonna go ahead and and pull the trigger on that uh some of the moves that we are gonna we're gonna move on from some guys eric murray qualifies for that escalator that you know puts his his uh 2019 figure over two million dollars and uh, we don't think Eric Murray's worth $2 million. If we're going to have to basically pick between Eric Murray and Jordan Lucas, we're going to take Jordan Lucas. Uh, Craig, what are we doing with Daniel Sorensen? Daniel Sorensen is a relic of the previous scheme that needed safeties that could play deep or play in the box at will and were able to ship between them. We are moving to a more defined scheme with a defined box safety that stays there and a defined deep safety that plays deep. Spagnolo likes that Dan Sorensen has some versatility and he's not a bad guy to keep on the roster, but he is just fine letting him go for the amount of money that he uh, would have to be paid this year. Craig, I'm going to kick uh, Eric Berry back to you, um, and we can all kind of jump in and provide a little input or what we think, but I'm going to start with you on this, Craig. Eric Berry, you know, we know the backstory. We know what he is and, and what he's meant to a lot of different people, including you know people in this room right here. What's our decision here with Eric Berry? Well, we talked it over with Eric Berry's people. Eric just does not want to go through another rehab he he's struggling with the thought of a surgery so we sat down with his people we decided that 
that maybe it was best for him to retire or move on into a more advisory role within the organization where he can be kind of a figurehead and really kind of still be something to this team without having to be under contract. So we worked it out. We're able to get the money back that we would with a post-June 1st cut, but it will be a a, a retirement for Eric Berry. Uh, Matt, do you have anything to add to that? This was our best-case scenario with Eric. Unfortunately, the thing is, he hasn't had surgery yet. He's still getting all these opinions on everything that's going on, and either us nor him feel super confident then when next year rolls around that he will be ready if he has to have the surgery to play the full season and be back to that same level of play that he that we all know he wants to be at and we would expect from him and at the same time if he doesn't get the surgery we all run the same risk of having this year repeat itself where he's trying to get out there and play and he's in a ton of pain and just can't give it 100 percent we can't rely on him week in and week out to be able to give us what we need It's a hard situation for everybody based on our history, but we just cannot find a way to make it reliably work between us and Eric Berry moving forward. And then with with Eric Berry, we are going to designate him with that June 1st uh, designation. And what that's going to do is basically we can't spend the money that we save on him until June 1st. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of delay the signings of our of our rookies and then use whatever we don't use in that window with that savings as our uh, emergency fund throughout the season. So that's kind of going to be where Eric Berry's money goes. Um, okay, so from that we've you know we've got a little bit more flexibility to spend some money at the safety position maddie what's our plan with the uh with the free agency uh for safety first thing i did when we got spags in here we sat down and we talked and it was simple he needs good safety a good box safety a guy that can do a ton of different stuff from that position to run his defense the best it can be. It's kind of an archaic position to a lot of people right now, but that's just not true in the way this system's going to be run. He told us we need a true star at a safety position. So for that reason, we went and stacked our board. Everybody, same thing that Craig had referenced earlier. You got a great interview with Veach to BJ Kissel talking about stacking a free agency board and a draft board and comparing the two. We're making a huge run at Landon Collins if he hits free agency. If he's on the tag, we figure out what we got to do to get him here. If we can't land Landon Collins, we're just going right down our list to the next best safety available. We have to get immediate help at safety, and we need a guy that can play in the box that also has decent man coverage skills. It's such an important position for this defense that we just don't have on the roster right now. It has to be filled with somebody that can step in and play in week one. And from a draft perspective, safety is a high priority for us too. So kind of depending on what we're able to acquire with, with when it comes to, you know, if landing Collins, if we can't land Landon, we're going to have to go and try to identify a guy in this draft. And there's some interesting guys that kind of could fit that box safety role, like Jonathan Abram from Mississippi State, maybe even Taylor Rapp from Washington. And if not, you know, if, if we do land uh, Collins, we're still going to have to identify some more safety depth. So 
we're probably looking at a day one or two pick with the safety position. Obviously, there's a lot of priorities that we, you know, we probably need to address, you know, in, you know, round one. So we can't address them all. It's probably going to be a corner and edge first, but maybe in round two, we're able to identify a guy like a Juan Thornhill uh, that might be able to play from a single high. Uh, someone like that because we've got to you know we've got to really turn over this safety position and and we're going to probably have to add a little bit more depth in in free agency as well with some lower value guys potentially maybe you know trey boston deep you know see what kind of deal he can get so uh, those are those are where we're uh, we're looking at uh, for the safety position. When it's all said and done, uh, per over the cap, we've got thirty eight million dollars in uh, in wiggle room to work with. And our targets for that thirty eight million dollars are Landon Collins, Janoris Jenkins, Brandon Scarlett, Vinnie Curry, C.J. Uzoma, maybe a running back like Buck Allen. And then obviously we've got to try to see if we can work out some deals with Tyree Kill and Chris Jones. Low low year one figures, so you know just some money to kind of work with that kind of stuff. But that's kind of our plan. That's going to do it for us this week on the AP Laboratory. We will be back next week to to talk about probably uh, you know we've got the combine coming up. There might be some more news about the staff. Who knows? Thanks for listening. We'll catch you guys next week.